You're listening to 14 Days and Counting. Here's your host, Lindsay Lawson. Hello and welcome here. 14 Days and Counting is a podcast about trying to conceive, pregnancy, motherhood, physical and emotional well-being, and all things woman. I'm your host, Lindsay Lawson. I am super excited to say that today I do have a guest with me. Angela, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to sit down and talk about what's going on with you and your life and your babies. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. I'm happy to be here today. Pretty exciting. (laughs) So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about you? Well, um, my name's Angela. Uh, I have one son miraculously, uh, Michael. He is five years old. Um, I have been with my husband, Garrett, for going on seven years this month. Wow, that's awesome. Congratulations. (laughs) Um, We've been married for three of those seven. Um, To say it's been a roller coaster is a bit of an understatement, but all good things, you know, take work and dedication. So... I think we're finally in a good place. That's like, awesome. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. That's great. So what is it that you do? Currently, I am what they call a homemaker, stay-at-home mom, however you want to put it. Um, I know most people are like, oh, yay, lucky you. No. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great and glorious. And for the first couple of years, it is. You know, you don't miss the small moments, um, the first steps, the first words. You know, somebody's not raising your kid through those things. But um, it gets lonely. It gets quiet, um, mm-hmm. especially when you don't have anybody to, you know, talk with that's not a child. Um, but it's it's rewarding in its own aspect. Um, there are days where I'm like, oh, man, I just want to go back to work. Oh, this sucks. But then he comes home and hugs me and loves on me and only wants me. And it kind of makes it all worth it in the end. Um, but it can get lonely. It can affect your mental health a lot if you're not prepared to be home all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's all that you do. Um So, yeah, it's rewarding, but it's also, I mean, it's like a regular job, too, except I don't get to clock out at the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not a regular job because it is 24-7. 24-7, you don't get to clock out. You don't get sick days um, unless it's on the weekend, you know, and you're fortunate enough to have a husband that, you know, steps up and helps like mine does. I know a lot of women are not as lucky as what I am to have somebody, a good partner, um, stand beside them and do things like that. You know, hey, babe, you know, I got it. Why don't you go lay down for a little bit? I can see you don't feel good. Things like that. Um, there's a lot of people that I know personally that are like, oh, my God, my husband went there all fit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the ice maker. You dang thing. Oh, audience, I am sorry for that. <laughs> that was not a part on either one of us. We are setting up the recording studio still. So Angela and I are in my kitchen. You may hear the ice maker make that weird noise that it makes or the dogs are in their cages. So they are upset and whining. But we, we're new. We're still working out the kinks. And as all good things, you have it takes practice. And we just we grow and practice makes perfect we learn as we grow kind of thing 
So, yes, Angela, you, I've met your husband. He is awesome. <laughs> he is hilarious. I'm so thankful that you have somebody that can help you and is supportive in that way. Because like you said, I know that a lot of women, like they may have good partners and not saying anything about their relationship, but sometimes like they don't have a spouse or a significant other that is willing to carry the workload of child raising Mm -hmm. as well. But I hope to be a stay-at-home mom. I think what you do is amazing. I love it. So you have one son right now, and he is how old? Five. Five, he'll be six in December. So we're at that, like, mid, you know, change of, you know, five going on to six, but really going on to, like, you know, 20 because his... (laughs) He may be nonverbal, but uh, he is pretty verbal, if that makes any sense to you. Like, his attitude says it all. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i definitely afraid to, if I do have another, for it to be a little girl, because um, my attitude with my husband's attitude on a little girl, whoo, Oh, Lord. Ugh, I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> I know I was a royal pain growing up, so those attitudes, huh scare me <laughs> yeah I, I i teenage years weren't that long ago i remember the <laughs> person that i was as a teenager and i want a little girl but i don't i don't want that <laughs> <laughs> but adam doesn't have as much of an attitude as i do so if we had a child and they had his mannerisms and like his personality it, it would just be perfect. It, I want Adam as a little girl. <laughs> that, that sounds so bad. But yes, I I think just like his dark hair and his dark eyes with like his quiet personality would just be so adorable on a little girl. <laughs> so that that's awesome. And Michael is your son. He just started school, right? Yes. This is well. This is his first year as a full time, all day because he did preschool for two years. Okay. So he's in kindergarten now for the full day, full school day. So it's been a bit of a change for him. Mm-hmm. Um, bit of a change for myself as well because I'm used to only like him being there two to three hours a day and then going and picking him up. So dropping him off in the morning, and now I'm able to have my days back mm-hmm. it's definitely been surreal uh, i'm still trying to figure out what to do with myself um i can't really go back to work because there's nowhere to really go that will work with this type of schedule that i need you know because michael's got his therapies and you know school is only from 8 30 to 3 30 and i'm the one that has to pick him up because you know garrett travels for work sometimes and they work funny hours electricians (laughs) and garrett just audience garrett is her husband yes sorry um so it does fall on me majority of the time which is okay like i'm okay with that um so now i'm just trying to figure out what to do you know to keep my mind busy so i don't go completely crazy Mm -hmm. (laughs) during the day take a nap you deserve it oh i have like Garrett texted me the other day. He's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Laying in bed, taking a nap. Go away." That's, that's awesome. <laughs> He's like, "Lucky." I'm like, "Yep." I working from home. I'm able to sleep in a little bit more and have a little bit more of a relaxed work day. 
and Adam gives me grief for it a lot because he'll he'll text me and I'll be like eight thirty and I'm still in bed. <laughs> Don't hate because you can't be in bed too. All right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Like, you will appreciate this when we're not dishing out $1,200 a month for childcare. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. Isn't it? It's like That's more than a mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. That's almost triple my mortgage. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Yeah. That, and, I mean, it, gosh, it's, it's hard because, like, some people, they can't afford not to have... Two incomes. Two incomes. Mm-hmm. And then... A good portion of that is going out to childcare if you've got children. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I feel for families out there. So you're trying to have another baby, right? We are. Um, we are finally back on the full-time going back and forth with the doctor's schedule because COVID shut me down there for a little bit because um, in OB offices, and I'm not sure if this was everywhere, but here – Excuse me. Um, and we're in Cincinnati, by the way. Um, the my OB office wouldn't let children in under the age of eighteen, so it made it pretty difficult to, for you to go to with be yeah, to be able to get into the doctor's office. <clears throat> you know, even while he was at school for those two to three hours, because we live in like Beaver Creek area, and um, my. OB was at minimum like 30 minutes away and then you just mm-hmm. sit in the office the waiting room for an hour yeah. sit in the you know the actual room for another 30 minute like I just didn't have the time so it kind of got put on the back burner um there for a little bit and now we are back on full flames uh ready to rock and roll we are trying some new medications um to kickstart those periods because i don't have them due to the pcos and a fun fact i just found out i have endometriosis as well so that's been great i'm sorry to hear that but um it's been all right we're uh taking it slow day by day kind of trying to figure out which medications work best for myself okay because they you know as you know more than anybody that I know right now um you know some of those medications they give you to or not ovulate yeah ovulate Mm -hmm. um like the Clomid and all that stuff one works for somebody you know vice versa so they switched me from the Clomid to the other one Letrozole I believe so yes um or Femera is like the the generic generic, yes um so we're trying that this time around Okay. So we are waiting for the period to start because I just finished the 10 days of the um, the medication for that. So that's fun stuff. <laughs> having your first period after not having them for months on end. It's great. <laughs> and are, did you go on metformin too? Yes, I okay. did start the metformin. Um, I've only been on it about two weeks now. Okay. Um, and I have seen um, some improvements. Like I feel like I've lost some weight. That's awesome. Um, uh, my husband keeps telling me, you look like you've lost weight. And I'm like, eh, you I do. guess I can see it, you know. But as a woman, you know, we always see, oh, no, I haven't. It's right here. You're crazy. You know, those kind of body disformation looks. But um, I feel a little bit better. I feel like I'm getting a little bit more energy. So hopefully between the metformin, the Clomid, and all that stuff mixed together, it kind of kicks my body into shape to at least – not necessarily have an ovulation every month, but at least have a period every month so that buildup doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, make me feel like, ugh, all the time. Because yeah. it does. 
all that stuff that's supposed to be, you know, let go, it just holds up in there and it's awful. It, it is. I have my listeners know I have PCOS too. And um, I've been on metformin for about a year now. And it changed my life, made my periods regular, like they are clockwork now. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, but I, and I haven't said this on air yet. I mentioned in my last episode how I was going to the doctor. Well, I just finished my first round of letrozole. Um, it, I, so there's two, there's Clomid and there's letrozole. And typically if you don't respond to one, then you respond to the other. Well, my doctor put me on letrozole first because he said that Clomid tends to have a lot of side effects like headaches, mood swings, um, things like that. I had a lot of side effects with letrozole, um, cramping, intense bowel movement. It was terrible. Migraines, awful. But the things we do for our kids, right? So I finished that. um, Well, I went in for the way it works is you go in for a base ultrasound. They look at everything and then you leave, you take the medicine. Mine was three pills a day for five days. And it was like from cycle day Three to Typically three eight, through seven, yeah, three the... to seven or three to eight, whatever <clears throat> it was. Um, and then I would go back. I went back on cycle day ten, and they did an ultrasound to look and see if I had any follicles that were growing. I do. I have two, mm-hmm. one on the right and one on the left, and they both measured at sixteen millimeters. Um, my cervical wall or whatever it is uh, I should know this but <laughs> like where the baby would sit was at six millimeters so I guess that's okay um and my they did an SIS which is a saline infused sonogram that sucker hurt oof never had one of those well what they do is a feed a catheter up there. It's got a balloon on the end that expands to open your cervix. And then they shoot two um, syringes full of saline in there. And it lights everything up like a Christmas tree. Mm. So that's how they were able to see if, like, my tubes were blocked or anything, which thankfully they weren't. And I've heard really good things about success after having this done because it cleans mm-hmm. everything out. So I am hoping with this procedure and the letrozole, we get lucky with twins this month. Oof. I want twins so oh, bad. Yeah. And now, and typically you only have <clears throat> one follicle a month. I've got two. Well, that's good. I'm excited yes. for that. I am super excited <laughs> for that. Yes. Um, I'm so invested in this story. <laughs> I've been here like day one, like, all right, let's do this. You, you so have. I, I'm so thankful for you and another friend, Bethany, because, I mean, you guys, you're the only ones that in my circle that know what I'm going through and that understand the 
the frustrations, the letdown, the holding on to the hope, even though you know that you shouldn't be like, and the thing that kills me most is when you have people on the outside and, and I understand, like we barely understand PCOS as it is like as a medical society, they really don't understand it fully. So I don't expect people who don't have it to 100% understand. Mm-hmm. But um, it's hard when people are like, oh, you know, your time will come, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, thanks for that support. Yes. But let me try to help you understand this a little bit more. Like, instead of assuming that I'm just being over dramatic about not being able to get pregnant or, you know, that miscarriage or I thought I was pregnant, but nope, I wasn't. It's just, it's such a letdown when people who you think are close to you and are supposed to be there to support you are the ones pressuring you. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it'll happen. Like, oh, when are you guys going to have kids? Like, those kinds of things. It's like, okay, back off a little bit. Can we make it normal where we don't ask people who just got married or have been married for a couple of years. Hey, when are you guys having kids? You know, cause we don't know everybody's stories and that aggravates me to no end. And like, I don't get too upset cause people do ask, you know, my husband and I all the time, Oh, when are you going to give him a, you know, a sibling? And it's like, eh, we're trying. And that's kind of where I leave it because again, they may not understand, but it's still like, it hits you in the gut when you're like, Oh, I really, all I want to do is be pregnant. Like, if only you knew how much money I have spent to try to make that happen. To whip my uterus into shape. Like, let's go. Yes. I I actually um, recently went back and apologized to some friends and some family members because, I mean, you don't know until you know. Right. And... We have a family member that was trying to conceive, like, probably about six months before we started trying. And, I mean, as you know, like, we hadn't planned on trying for another year. Mm -hmm. And then the cancer stuff came up, so we moved our timeline up and had to adjust the wedding stuff and all of that. But, um she told me that she was trying and so like every time I saw her I was like hey how's it going mm-hmm. how are you doing and I where I'm at right now if somebody kept asking how's it going mm-hmm. are you okay you pregnant yet I, I I don't know how I would handle it and luckily, like I said, I've got you, like, you know what's going on. I've got Bethany. She knows what's going on so we can have conversations like that. But, and most other people don't say, like, I know you're trying. How's that? Yeah. Are you pregnant yet? But Thankfully. <laughs> but I <clears throat> kick myself for it. I was one of those people. And... Thankfully, now she is pregnant. I'm actually going to her baby shower on Saturday. She's having Sick. a little girl. Oh we, we are so excited for them. But I felt like a terrible person <laughs> when we started going through this. And I was like, she only tried for three months. And I'm in the fourth cycle. And it's been so difficult for me. And 
I can't believe that I just, I kept asking her, are you pregnant yet? How's it going? How are you doing? I feel terrible. <laughs> so I did. I had to, I had to go apologize to her. And I, thankfully, like they had a, well, no, this is not thankfully, but they had a miscarriage before they got pregnant with their current pregnancy. And so after my miscarriage, as much as I love her and as happy as I am for her, I want nothing to do with her. And to be completely honest, I don't want to go to this baby shower. But I'm going because I love her mm -hmm. and I want to support her and I want to show her that she's got people in her corner, even though it is hard for me. Uh, I know that she has been so understanding when I had to pull back a little bit and say like, hey, like, you're so adorable with your bump. I'm so happy for you. Can't wait to meet your baby when it is here. I will love on her mm -hmm. and cherish her and spoil her and hold her. But while she's in your stomach, it drives knives through my heart. So, yeah, she she was super, super understanding. And I'm very thankful for that. But it's hard. It is. It absolutely is. Especially, like, people, you know, who are like us try so hard to get pregnant. And then you've got people out here who get pregnant at the drop of a hat, don't want anything to do with the kids that they've already got. You know, they've got five or six baby daddies and <clears throat> all they do is complain about their kids and, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, why is it that they can have kids so easily and they want nothing to do with them? Or you got those people that abuse their kids. And it's like, but we've got a good home, you know, a good support system. And it, it, it eats at you when you look at it and you're like, I, that really typically shouldn't bother me because I, it's not my business what anybody does. Right. But it's like, why is that? Like, why? Mm -hmm. And then you start to question, like, your faith of it all. Like, well, why? Why is God blessing these people but not blessing me when I've got a very good home for my, you know, children to be in, you know, good relationship and things like that? It just really makes you question your faith and then you got to really rebound from that. And the way I have looked at it anyway, I mean, everybody's different is that, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Um, I was blessed with Michael and he is a special needs child. He is autistic. So he does require a little bit more understanding and patience and, you know, love when it comes to, the things that your typical five-year-old would understand, like, hey, don't do that. We don't do that. You know, we share, you know, those kinds of things. It takes a little bit more patience with him. Mm -hmm. So when I look at that, it's like, I kind of understand, you know, they, they do say that, you know, God only gives you what you can handle. Well, apparently right now, that's all that I can handle, you know, taking care of him and his needs. <clears throat> it is a lot. Um, and I love my son unconditionally. All shapes of his his, the sides of him because he goes through a lot of emotions through a day. Um, and sometimes he doesn't understand those emotions because again, he's not typical. So he doesn't understand. I'm sad. I'm angry. You know, I'm happy, you know, he, and he can't, and he's not nonverbal pretty so. much. Yeah. He, for the most part, he is nonverbal. So like, he can't tell me, mommy, I'm very sad today. Somebody hit me or, you know, like this happened at school today. So when he comes home from school, you know, I can't, I can't look at him and be like, hey, baby, how was your day today? 
you know, all I can say is, what, did you have a good day or did you have a bad day? And typically he does like the echoing, you know, he'll repeat the first thing that I say. So he'll be like, oh, it was good, you know, good, you know. So he's doing really well. He is. He's come so far in the last two years from where he was. And I'm very thankful for that. So I try to look at it that God blessed me with this child because he knew that this child was going to need the love that I could, the love and patience that I could give to him. And I'm trying to see it through those kinds of, you know, the rose colored glasses, I guess you could say, like trying to push through that and trying to conceive at the same time. It's like, Oh, but the babies, they're so cute. I love them. I want them all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, This is why I can't go to an animal shelter. I want to bring all of them home with me. Uh, But people have brought up, well, why don't you foster? You know, why don't you adopt? Or, you know, those things. Adoption itself is ridiculously expensive. It is. It's like well over $50,000. At least here in the United States. It's well over $50,000, if not, you know, more. Have you looked into it? Um, We have not as of recently okay but we had before um garrett's cousins had adopted a little girl so we kind of touched base with them about it about like their experience with that mm-hmm. and um they ended up adopting out of the united states not the united states out of ohio what am i doing um because like in ohio when you adopt a baby the parents the birth parents have six months to change their mind um, six months and that's after you've signed adoption papers paid all their medical bills and everything they have six months to change their mind could you imagine no spending all that money and paying for everything and then being told oh they changed their minds give them their baby back it no. would destroy me yeah and i would it, it would it would completely destroy me and um same thing with like fostering children I love children and I would open my home, but it would kill me every time I got attached to those children and then to you had to send give- them back to the crappy situations. They And I, and I know not all children in foster care are put there because their situations are horrible. Some, you know, cause DCF has been on a wild goose chase for quite some time now and just removing children who don't need to be removed that I understand, but like it would kill me like bring me these, these kids, these babies, fall in love with them, raise them for a year or two, and then send them back to their crappy situation. So, yeah, Um, I absolutely, I completely agree. We have discussed adoption down the road. So our doctor has said that, like, he believes we should get, we should be able to do it naturally. Um, if not, obviously, artificial insemination is an option. Um, but IVF is so expensive. I know there's IU, there's IUI and then there's IVF. And so we're doing a couple rounds of letrozole. We've agreed to give that at least six months to a year. Um, hopefully it does not take that long, but letrozole is our first step. And then if by June of next year, we're not pregnant, we will move up the ladder to IUI, um, and try to do that. And then we will give that time. And I, 
our time. So we we set a timeline for ourselves just to like help us with expectations. So the Letrozol gets a year, the IUI gets a year, mm-hmm. and then we would move on to IVF. But if none of that works, adoption is our next move following IVF. And I believe like a lot of couples trying to conceive when it's drastic enough that they have to go to IVF, adoption is the next step. Um, And, you know, some people like they just physically cannot get pregnant. And so then adoption is, I believe in adoption so much. I Mm -hmm. am such a big advocate for it. I think that it's like, it's great work that these adoption agencies are doing. I would love to adopt. Um, but like you said, it is expensive. It is yeah. so expensive. And I mean, I will be 25 next month. Adam will be 28 in January. I, I'm like, are we even old enough to be doing this? <laughs> like, isn't it weird though when you're like sitting in a room and you're like looking around like where's the adult and you're like oh it's me I am the adult it's who me. let me be the adult wait a minute <laughs> Adam has a saying and he's like I don't know who signed me up for this adulting crap but they should be fired from their day job right hell I'm thirty and I'm like wait a minute who we who decided this when did this become okay. <laughs> Like, yeah. uh, I'm like, I'm still guessing at things. What do you mean? I know that, like, there isn't a specific age that is appropriate versus not appropriate. But I, I almost feel like I have this idea that we're too young to adopt. No. I, I know, but I'm like, adopt, adopting a baby at, 25 years old honestly and i'm pretty biased about this because that's when i had michael i was 24 when michael was born garrett okay. was 21 so i will say gosh you're a cradle robber <laughs> going for Only, the younger hey men. he was over 18 when we got together okay <laughs> it's not appropriate <laughs> um i mean adam did the same thing uh but <laughs> raising michael from you know, a young 24. Well, I was 24, almost 25. So that was your age. Um, and Michael or Garrett being 21, like raising him at the young age, like I feel was a good choice for us. Um, I feel like being a younger parent when he gets older will give us time to actually, if he does have children, you know, spend time with our grandkids and not, be too tired or too old to actually get up and like throw the ball with them or, you know, play soccer or whatever, you know, get up and do activities Mm -hmm. with our, you know, future grandchildren, if there is any grandchildren. Um, But even just playing with him, like he's five. So, I mean, you know, now I'm 30 and my husband's 27, 28, whatever. Um, It gives us more energy to do things with him, take him out to, you know, jump on the trampoline, go swimming, run around to all the pumpkin patches and all those things. Oh my gosh, we have to do that. I am so ready. Like, it's so exciting. And, like, and I'm not bashing people that wait. Like, if that's what you do, like, that's perfect for you. Great. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. But I felt, I feel like 
with us having him early, like it kind of gives us the whole, we have a future to look forward to as well. So when he is, you know, grown, we will be in our forties. Like when he graduates high school, Garrett will be in his forties. So like we can start doing all the traveling and all the stuff that we want to do and still actually do activities when we travel and do those things and Mm -hmm. have more money because, you know, when you travel at this age, you're kind of like, oh, I'm broke. Like, what am I going to do? Because everything's so expensive, you know? So, like, the plan is, like, when we're in our 40s and start traveling, you know, we'll have more money to go out and go to nice dinners or Mm -hmm. do the excursions and all those things. So, that's just my standpoint on it. Starting your family, like, everybody's like, oh, well, when you're financially stable, let me tell you something. You are never financially stable. You will never, ever, ever be 100% financially stable to have a baby. So you might as well have that baby and enjoy your life because your money's always going to be gone anyway. So (laughs) that my, and I mean, you know about this relationship, but my mom is against us having a baby right now. And do you need more water? I can get you more water. (laughs) My mom is against us having a baby right now because she doesn't think that we're financially set. And I'm like, if we wait until we, quote unquote, are financially set, we will never have a baby. Mm -hmm. Because it's, you're chasing inflation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, really. Yes. But I'm like... We, we have a roof over our heads. We have clothes on our backs. We have cars that are almost paid off. Like, we we have money for these doctor bills. Mm-hmm. We will be okay. And you learn to adjust and, you know, move things around. And, mm-hmm. okay, well, we're not going to be going out to eat all the time anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn to re-budget budget yourself. Yeah. Like, when Michael was born, we were living in a not-so-nice part of town. And by the time he was 18 months old, we had decided we're getting out. And that's when we bought our house. Like, we bought our house. Garrett was making, like, 13-some-odd dollars an hour. Oh, my gosh. Like, that's pretty much nothing these days. Now, granted, that was four years ago when inflation wasn't as bad. And the housing, yeah, the housing market was a buyer's market. So we were able to buy our home at Mm -hmm. a relatively decent price and be able to afford it. See, we're the officer now Mm -hmm. with the way things are going. Like, we're renting, but – and everybody's like, renting is so stupid. Why would you do that? Like, you're paying more for on rent than you would for a mortgage. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. am am I, though? Because, like, (laughs) what would typically be a $200,000 house in this market Mm -hmm. is almost $500,000. Yep, absolutely. So – we our house was up for 75 and now it's showing that i could sell it for almost two in in this market and that's and that's without even having it like officially like appraised with all the work that we have put into it um because it was built back in the 50s so like everything all our lights were light switches so we had to go in and like you know modify all that but we digress um (laughs) way off topic here but um yeah financial financial stability has nothing to do with you you make it work you make sacrifices exactly like i mean and even if you have a million dollars sitting in the bank 
that still could not be enough. You could have a child that requires surgery after surgery, therapies, you know, special medicines, like you just never know. So waiting for financial stability is, in my opinion, is not necessarily the way to go mm-hmm. um, because it's, you're never going to be hundred percent ready ever. Even if you yeah. think you are, no, you're yeah. not. And, and <laughs> things go wrong my oh, thing luck. is if i'm having this much trouble at 25 waiting oh yeah another five years like no it's yeah no, then we would have to jump well, to ivf and geriatric pregnancies now are considered at like 30 35 34, 35. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, that's considered geriatric now. Like think, think about that for a minute. I'm 30. I'm only five short years away. Well, four and a half now from being considered geriatric. Like think about that. that. (sighs) Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, the longer you wait, the harder it's going to be, especially like in your scenario, like it's already harder, hard enough. Mm-hmm. to get through what you need to get through. Like, why make it harder on yourself physically and mentally when you don't need to? Oh, that reminds me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Speaking of being hard. But... <laughs> Speaking of getting pregnant being, being difficult, my doctor has now told me that Anything on the glycemic index over 70 is off limits. So that's no potatoes, no bread or so you're keto. gluten or carbs because of the PCOS. Yeah, no, see, that's where I have a hard time with the PCOS. I mean, I'm like, I'm chub- I'm, I'm, I'm a little chunky. I got some rolls. My husband likes it. I don't all the time, but most of the time yeah. I do. It's fine. I'm going to eat my potatoes. Yeah. You know, and that's <laughs> that's the thing is, like, I get told, well, why don't you just go to the gym and work out? Like, I'm like, because I don't lose weight. Like, you don't understand. With PCOS, you don't lose weight because mm-hmm. your body is insulin resistant. And, yes, that's what the metformin is supposed to do. It's supposed to help that to where you can start, you know, your body can start breaking it down so you don't hold on to it. So running to the gym and working out all day, every day, like I could work out seven days a week and still lose like only two pounds Mm -hmm. and then gain it right back as soon as I drink a glass of water or eat. God forbid you eat. Yep. Um, So I'm like, I mean, I'm not trying to be unhealthy, but I'm not going to kill myself in the gym Mm -hmm. just to not gain, like do any gains. Like you're not gaining or losing anything at that point. And cortisol, the stress hormone, plays a lot into that too, um, which happens when, if you work out in certain ways, then you're putting strain on your body. Hmm. Um, I have I have found, and again, interacting with the PCOS makes it hell to lose weight. But I have found that walking, like just not running, just taking a stroll i don't have those cortisol levels and i see a difference in the way my body looks Hmm. but that's also with the metformin and trying to cut out bread and dairy and nope Mm -mm. nope (sighs) can't do it 
Just gonna be a rabbit. Just gonna. I, I don't have the discipline, and I will admit, I don't have the discipline to cut out my potatoes, my pastas, all the car. Like I don't have the discipline for it. And call me lazy if you must, but uh, I'm not gonna make my life miserable and not eat what I want because that's and that's what a lot of people don't understand. When you go on a diet <clears throat> and you start restricting yourself from all these things all at once, um, and then you fail you're going to sit there and binge eat. So you're not only failing at the diet, but you're going to binge eat everything in the house that you can mm-hmm. or go out or whatever. And and then cuz you're sad, yep. you're eating your feelings too, mm-hmm. which I am I'm terrible at doing. So I am trying to cut things out, but I'm not cutting them all out at the same time. I am doing like the whole 30 that's what the whole 30 is have you tried that no what is that whole 30 is like it's a 30 days um where you cut out all this like you cut it all out and then you slowly add it back in to find out what is agitating your gut and all that stuff it's it's basically like a cleanse okay um and they have like they have food out for it. They have like their own salad dressings and things like that. Um, there's a cookbook on it. Hmm. Um, it was not for me because, again, I don't have the discipline to, you know, restrict myself, especially when I'm cooking, already cooking two meals, one for my son and one for my husband. And then I got to cook a third meal for myself. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a lot. But yeah, that um, is a lot. My husband's cousin... Um, she does it with her in-laws a lot and that's actually how she ended up conceiving her son. Really? Um, she's really, she had PCOS too. Um, and they're the ones that adopted the little girl. Well, right after they adopted her, she found out she was pregnant, (laughs) which is what I told her what was going to happen. She's like, Oh no, we've tried everything. I'm like, I'm telling you, I am telling you six months later she was pregnant. Um, but she was saying that that's how she ended up getting pregnant with her son was doing the whole 30. Cause with obviously with PCOS, like your red meats that, in, that creates the inflammation mm-hmm. with PCOS, um, your breads, all that stuff that they, you know, your doctors were telling you about, you cut it all out and then you slowly add it in to see what's making you feel like crap. So, you know, okay, maybe I shouldn't eat that anymore. So you see what your body can handle versus what it can't. So it's not necessarily that you have to cut all that stuff out, just the stuff that you slowly back in, add back in and realize it makes you feel like crap. That's what your body can't handle. Interesting. I mean, I don't, I love potatoes. I could eat potatoes with breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day of the week. Freak, like my favorite food. I am a meat and potatoes girl. Mm-hmm. Like if I had to, what is that death? Your death row meal. That's that's what mine would be. <laughs> she spits her water back. <laughs> that's what mine would be. Like give me a steak and potatoes. But um, I, I agree. If my doctor said, like, you can never eat that again. If you want to lose weight, you can never eat that again in your life. I'm be like, fat and happy. I, yes, I will be <laughs> fat and happy. And you know what? My husband will love me for yeah. it. But if I'm looking at it from the angle of if this is something that I have to do for three, six months, a year to have a baby. Yeah. I that's that's doable like that is 
And it would eventually become your new norm and you wouldn't even realize it because they say it takes 21 days, three weeks to create a habit and 21 days, three weeks, whatever, to break a habit. So after you get past that initial month, essentially, mm-hmm. you wouldn't even really miss the things that you would think that you would miss. It's just nope, getting to that point. <laughs> it's just getting to that point. Like, cause we, I really don't eat red meat. We cut out red meat a long time really? ago. Um, See, but I don't like fish, so I'm very limited on... I, we don't eat, we eat chicken, and we eat a lot of chicken. And I know people I listening are going to be like, oh, chicken all the time. Yeah, Adam's the exact same way. Like, but there's we have so chicken many two ways in a, in a week, you can make it. it that they're like, oh, this is chicken, oh, that's cool. Like, I stick to my little, like, I have, like, a little you know, shuffle around, but there's so many ways. Cause I thought the same thing. I'm like, what are we going to eat without the red meat? And I mean, cause the pork chops, you know, that's red meat. Um, you got your steaks, all that stuff, all that's red meat. So we eat basically just chicken. And like, I will eat red meat if we're out like at a steakhouse. You had steak when we I did. <laughs> if we're at a steakhouse or something like that. And the only way I can eat that is because, um, it's not as processed as the stuff you buy in the stores. Like, yes, I understand that the restaurants get it semi-processed, but it's nowhere near as bad mm-hmm. as what you get in like Walmart, Kroger's, whatever your little local grocery store is. Um, now, if I was to go to an actual butcher and buy my meat, oh yeah, I'd eat red meat because it they do it all right there. Like it's straight from the animal to you. That's it. Like there's nothing... Know all that extra salt and whatever preservatives really is what gets you. It's the dogs. <laughs> they're just they're oh they're a mess. Well, I think we're at our time. Angela, thank you so much for coming and sitting down and hanging out with me and talking about all of this you are in my prayers you and your future baby and michael and garrett and i'm so excited that we're on this journey together and that we have each other to talk to sticky baby dust yes (laughs) yes all the sticky baby dust (laughs) we need that we want that sticky little bean in there yes yes we do i'm so excited for you guys i know it's not here yet but i'm like it's coming i I just have that feeling i am manifesting that because like honestly right now you are the only person i'm like yes she's pregnant like somebody else calls me like no but you i'm like yes i am so excited Um, but thanks for having me. It was really great to sit down and get to talk about it. And hopefully, you know, the listeners can kind of learn some things. If not, I tried to help you, but, you know, what can I do? I mean, <laughs> I'm not a doctor. Even, even if they don't, right, we're not doctors. But even if they don't learn anything, the women out there with PCOS, they, I, I hope my goal is that they feel like they're not, you're not alone. Yes. You are not alone. Your voice and your feelings are validated. Do not let anybody ever tell you you are not validated. You are allowed to feel upset that somebody is pregnant. You are allowed to feel upset that it's not you. Doesn't mean you don't like that baby or that person. It's just the way that you feel, and there's nothing wrong with that. You are very validated in your feelings. Don't let anybody take those away from you. 
at all. And that's 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 where I'll leave it. <laughs> that's my TED talk. That's all. Uh, that's my TED talk for the day. That's where I'll leave that. <laughs> yes, and we will have uh, a post up on Instagram. We would love to hear what works for you as far as PCOS or. In, in, in matrix, in, endometriosis. In, endometriosis. Easy for me to say. <laughs> yes, we want to hear your success stories of trying to conceive with PCOS or endometriosis or anything else that is a gynecological problem. Problem, hindrance that us women have to bear. But thank you so much for listening. And have a good day. Yes, prayers and baby dust to you all. Fourteen Days and Counting is a Squirrel Talk audio production hosted by Lindsay Lawson, distributed by Anchor. You can find Fourteen Days and Counting on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate comment, subscribe on whatever platform you use, and don't forget to follow on Instagram at Squirrel Talk Audio. As always, thank you for listening to 14 Days and Counting.